Welcome to the Black Lives Living Podcast. We discuss the societal, cultural and structural issues black people face in the UK, focusing on the positive experiences while highlighting the negatives and discussing what we can do to address them. Hopefully we can all learn a thing or two. Enjoy the episode. Jamil. Lynn. What's going on, brother? Ah, man. Life's back to normal almost, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, commuting back and forth from work. You know, things are getting busy. The calendar's filling up. It's kind of beautiful, but it's a sweet pain. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm, mm, I'm, I'm all mm. good otherwise. I'm all good. What are you saying anyway? How are you? Yeah, mate. All good. You know, same old, same old. Uh, got more topics to talk about. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> We love it. The audience loves it. Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. Let's crack on. Let's crack on. So there's a video that I came across. Actually, I came across it this morning. Steph sent it to me. And it was um, this guy who used to be a football hooligan. And he was saying how his views were quite racist and how his daughter actually made him change, which I thought was quite interesting. And, you know, it was a subject worth um worth talking about um so i, I kind of want to start with these people who if if you're a child and let's say your parents are have got racist um racist views like i want to investigate in terms of where do these racist views come from in terms of their parents like what are the what are the things that breed that sort of person because nobody's born racist so there must be certain factors that contribute that make someone um that way yeah yeah absolutely i think we have to start with history man <laughs> you know a brief history lesson i think everyone knows the uh the history of britain <laughs> to be honest you know they they were very you know how could i put this See, I, even I find myself dancing around this issue thinking, how can I put this softly? But I've just got to be blunt. Britain, mm. Great Britannia, Royal Britannia and all that, they love to colonise places, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And that also almost gives a feeling of feeling superior to whoever you're colonising. It does. It does enforce mm. that feeling. And, uh, you know, all of this Royal Britannia and everything, I think what it does is it actually makes people think they're better than everyone else. And when you look at the the, the actual definition of racism, that is when you think you, one race is more superior than, than another. Superior than you another. Know, um, mm. And I think that's where it kind of starts from, really. Obviously, we can talk about slavery and all of that. That's quite obvious. I don't think we need to go into that, really. But this is where it kind of comes from. And, you know, Countries then started trying to get independence in the early 1900s onwards. And I think there's always this, there, there could have been a sense of maybe, um, you know, disloyalty. Um, you know, why are they looking to leave us? Don't they know it's better with us? How, oh, good luck on your own. That kind of an attitude. And I think one thing can lead to another. It becomes Chinese whispers. It goes down the family line a little bit. And... You know, you add to that that some communities are in more of a bubble than others. That that kind of feeling can easily fester and become 
a much bigger feeling. Do you know what I mean? It could become not just a feeling, it could become a way of life. It could become all of a sudden you're, you're saying the N word, the P word in every other word when you're talking about somebody that's brown. <laughs> it, these are, this is how it starts. And that's the thing. It's like, I think kind of a major contributing factor there or something that we can't ignore is what community that person has come from and what exposure have they had to diversity? Because, you know, the older... We're probably more diverse now than we were 10, year ago, 10 years ago, than we were 20 years ago. Then, you know, this is probably the most diverse Britain has been. So generational wise, the, the, the children of those people who have those thoughts are being exposed more to more diversity, which is then, you know, it's something that the parents haven't been exposed to. And I, I guess like... You know, it, it kind of takes me back to the you're a product of your environment. And if your whole society and your whole community, you know, that bubble society community um, has those views that, you know, oh, these people are like this or these people are like that, it's very difficult for that worldview to then change. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard, mate. And it's, you know, you, you listen to your parents um what they say you end up copying them consciously unconsciously like these are behaviors that you will just see and you will you will you know replicate yourself um and you know there are people that are unfortunate not to have families or they you know for some reason have fallen out but the vast majority of people in this country are close to their family so you know in order to keep the peace almost if that's the way of putting it you want to be just like them in a way, you know. And if you're seeing that your family's a successful family, well, why are you going to change that almost, in a sense? Um, and I, it's, it's <laughs> obviously it's a very complicated issue, so I'm trying to be careful with my wording, and I'm really trying to think about this. But yeah, it's it's just one of those that why change if you don't need to change? Um, it, 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 I think it's the communities that are in their bubbles that, that are a real issue, even to this day. Um, but, you know, if you look at your more diverse population centres, you look at your cities, you look at you, you know, your larger urban towns, that kind of a thing, you'll, you'll probably find less racism there. You'll probably find a more willing acceptance of, of people, a more, you know, more camaraderie, that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a very interesting issue, mate. It really is. Um, and I guess you you know if you live in one of these villages that do, do, does have those sort of viewpoints, then there's no. I mean, I, I don't know if incentive is the right word, but there's no there's no need for you to be like, hey, or <sighs> I'm just trying to think like you're not going to be the one saying, hey guys, I think we should be open to diversity when you're kind of part of it because again like it's your social circles like who do you hang around with because if you're if if your uh community has that view your parents have that view you go out you hang around with your friends they have that view and it's just like this thing is kind of attacking you from all angles you know you can't you can't get away from it yeah yeah and like i said earlier when it starts to slip into your language that you use every day you know, the N word, the P word, that kind of a thing, 
or then before you know it, you're almost convincing yourself that what you think is is right or true, you know. Um, and I think you know again these these bubble communities because they have that lack of exposure, as you said, Lynn. They then can start to believe in myths or because they're not used to something, it's a problem because they're resistant to change. You get that a lot in this country where people are just resistant to change. And you'll, you'll always see, oh, somebody wants to, I don't know, build this. And the amount of work that you have to go through to build something in this country compared to others is amazing. Like, Recently, I was speaking to some of my American friends um, about Stamford Bridge and redoing that, um, Chelsea's football stadium, for those that don't know. And I just mentioned to them the amount of work that needs to go into planning for that. And they couldn't believe it because in America, yes, maybe they've got an awful lot more space. They could just whip something up like that with minimal, um, you know, uh, contestion. It's, it's just one of those things. Mm. So... I think that that kind of showcases how people are and how they are resistant to change. They love things being the way they are in this place. So when you get a new race in the area, in these bubble communities, some of it might just be being scared because they don't know. Like, yep. oh, my God, that black guy, you know, is is it true what they say? Like, is, is he got a knife on him or has he got a gun on him or has he got drugs on him? You know, they start thinking these things, and that can convince them. It's almost like a placebo to think I need to stay away from this guy. That then think, you know, I, if it were me walking down the street and I see that, I'm looking at those people going like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, why are you crossing? Why are you yeah, going to be? Like why are you that? crossing the road?" And then I, I might have like a puzzled face on, which then could be confused for, "Oh, this guy looks mean." And then it just, you know, do you know what I mean? It, it, it can even spiral from something like that. I remember Flav used to live in this. Um, in this village just outside of uh, Brighton. I'm not going to name what the village is, to be fair, but we uh, we went to his for New Year's. Um, we went to the pub to get food in the way that people were looking at us. Oh, my God. We, we'd increased the population of, uh, let's say, brown and black people from zero to four, at least, on that day. And we must have been the talk of the town on WhatsApp groups and everything. But... Do you know what? Beyond, I must be honest, like beyond that initial, like, who are these guys? Like, wow, where are they from? Like, I think a bit of it was just like people being um, intrigued and people were really nice after that. Do you know what I mean? It's not always racism, but mm. I think it can go one of two ways in that sense, that sense of surprise. Yeah. I mean, I, I've mentioned it on a, a previous pod, podcast that we did when I went to. Um, you know, a really nice pub with Steph and her, and her parents. And it was like, you know, you know, I was the only one. I was the only black one in there. But it's just that look. There's that, like, oh, God, I can't, I can't explain it. Like, you have to feel, it, it, it seems weird. You have to feel that look to understand what that look is about. And... I know what you're saying by, you know, once people kind of figure out that you're not a threat, then the attitude completely changes. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, we can trust this guy. He's okay. And I guess that kind of leads us to an, another point that kind of breeds people like this is the media. Because, you know, where are these people getting this, uh, this stereotype from? 
because that's what it is. It's it's you know when when people watch the media, they 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 then see all these black people committing crimes. Then it they automatically associate like he's black, he doesn't live around here, and something's wrong. We, we you know something it can't be right like this. Yeah, that the, the media they they love to profit off. Um, what can I say? They love they 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 have no morals. Most of them, they will happily profit off negativity. They really will. Clickbaits, engagements, interactions—that all makes money. And it's it. This this is what you know. They, they they'll happily put up headlines to showcase a black player, a football player, for example, in a bad light. You know, do you remember the Raheem Sterling headlines versus Phil Foden? Both bought a house for their mums, the two hundred thousand k. The Raheem Sterling one was put in such a way that it made it look like he's getting paid way too much money. Phil Foden's one was, how nice is this guy? Oh, we love Phil, basically. That kind of stuff feeds into people's minds. It really does. And I just want to go back a little bit quickly. You know where you said that look? You know where you said that look? Mm. You get used to that look when it happens millions of times. <laughs> you know, after the millionth time it's happened, you, you know do. what that look is. <laughs> and it's very hard for other people that may not get that look because they are the majority. It's very hard for them to actually understand what that is and to really appreciate that. But we're not all making it up. It's a thing. It does exist. But the media, oh, they could sort this problem out if they really wanted to. They could be part of positive change. Do you know what I mean? If they really wanted to. But does that make money? No, it really doesn't. And when you go back a few more um, decades or years, oh, mate, the headlines, the stories were unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, not just racism, but even sexism. You know, you're getting, um, you're getting adverts on TV showing that certain cars are only for men. Only men can drive certain cars. Do you know what I mean? Just to give another example of what, you know, the whole general media was like in that sense. So, yeah. Or, or even, Jam, do you know what? Even, like, you mentioned cars. Even the, like, oh, women drivers. I mean, we've all been guilty of that. Like, we've all yeah. been guilty of that. And actually, like, that's, we, we now recognise, this is, and this is part of it, it's now recognising that that is no longer acceptable. Like, I think that, that that man on that video is so brave to come out and say, I had these views and I will admit that I was calling people P-words, I was calling people N-words, but I am now, I've now changed. And it, it's actually showing other people that, yes, you can change, man. It's not about, oh, this is what, this person's view is now and therefore that's what the view is forever. I mean, if if I go back 10 years, there was views that I had 10 years ago that I think like, well, that would just, that's not right. You know what I mean? Like that wouldn't be accepted these days. You know, like things you used to put on Facebook and stuff like that. It's like, there's no way you should do that. And we were all like that. I think it's just the where the time was. You know what I mean? Well, that was acceptable then. It's no longer acceptable um, now. Spot on, mate. And, you know, we are people that are not resistant to change in that sense. Um, 
I say I say that word a lot, that phrase, that term, resistant to change. There are some people that will live and die by beliefs. And a lot of these people came out during the racial tensions of 2020, you know, with the whole BLM thing and, and things like that, taking the knee, all of that. You could just see some people would never change their mind on it. They didn't want to know. And they are the ones that really fuel this fire, I think, when it comes to that, alongside the media, mm. who actually are probably the same. They're resistant to change. They they won't. They won't change. And yeah, I, you, you can admit that it's life. It, that guy was really brave. And we need more of him. We need more people to come out and say, I used to have these views. I was wrong. I've changed. This is why I was wrong. This is why I believed this. And it might resonate with other people that look like him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It might resonate with them. They go, ah, oh, wow. You know, it, this guy might be onto something here. Do I really believe what I'm saying here? I don't really believe it, but I only do yeah. it because so-and-so does. What that does is it might encourage a conversation within a group of people. This is the thing. I always say when it comes to racism, when it comes to sexism or any other thing like that, that you need to keep the spotlight on these issues because when you do that, that leads to more conversation, yep. which then leads to education, exactly. which then hopefully leads to change. Yeah, 100%, which is why the media are such a big player in this. Both, they could easily mm, help stop mm. this thing. They could, they could, but... But they, they, they don't want to because that sort of stuff sells. And I think there's two, there's two good points that you mentioned there. I'm glad you mentioned the BLM because... Do you know how many kids, I mean, I I, I was just uh, doing a little bit of research today and it, it came up that during kind of like the BLM movement, there was a lot of like young kids who would record themselves kind of like really annoyed at their parents, that their parents had views that were so racist, yet they were not. So, you know, that is like... Well, it, it, it kind of makes me happy that, you know, that sort of view is dying out and it's in, and there are people there who are changing that. And, and the second point of it is we did a, a podcast on allyship. And actually, when people say, okay, I'm not racist, it, like, great. But to be anti-racist is to be a good ally. And... All those kids, even those kids that are on TikTok, people who are educating um, their parents at home, they are our allies because they are saying, whoa, dad, have you thought about it in this point of view? They are fighting our corner. They're trying to make change. And you can't, you know, to a certain extent, you can't blame the view that those parents have because that's just a generation that they grew up in. That's just the era that they grew up in. And hopefully, it's this generation is going to be able to filter those views more and more until people just accept that. Listen, it's it's a it's a diverse country, and it's fine. Absolutely. And as time goes on, you're getting more mixed race babies, more mixed race kids, more mixed race adults who are always a constant reminder that times have changed. When you see somebody and you see that they're mixed race, it'll go in your head and think black and white. Unconsciously even, 
you know, you 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 will get these constant reminders in society, and all of a sudden, one day it will go away. To uh, mostly, you know, what I would say is, racism is not funny. That's one thing that needs to change. You know, I think certain people might tie it into being funny in a sense, just saying, ah, oh, la 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 la, ha 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 ha. There's a lot of that as well that 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 definitely leads to change. I mean, mm. what's funny about abusing, suppressing, oppressing a race, you know, especially when you only live once. <laughs> That's a bit unfair, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Um, and that goes the same for, for, you know, sexism as well. It really does. But it's going to be the kids. It's going to be the kids of this generation that will help to change this even further. You know, you could almost say that it may, maybe it started with our generation, Lynn, to be honest. Um, yeah, you know, late 80s early 90s no late 80s 90s um sort of kids that, that have grown up now we we are the ones that are really pushing this change um we're all on social media mostly um you know and it you know we're all pushing this sort of collective agenda of anti-racism mostly so you get a few idiots that are out there that f find it to be funny still that are you know our sort of age our generation um, they're not really of help, but a lot of people these days are more willing to come out and call it out and actually be anti-racist and say, no, that's wrong. What are you doing? Report it to the right authority, that kind of a thing. So it's certainly changing. I mean, it's interesting what you said earlier about confronting parents and actually videoing them and going, this isn't right. Trying to almost disown their parents. They're going that far to, to, to be mm. anti-racist, which I think is incredible. Um, I really do. I, I think that that's very brave and incredible, to be honest. And it'd be nice for more people to be prepared to do that. But I think that's that's a huge step. Do you know what I mean? It's a huge step. It's a huge step. Um, do you think as we, you know, the generations kind of um go, the generations after us and stuff like that, like uh, let's just say, let's just say some some of these people who have these views, they're like fifty. 60 they're not going anywhere anytime soon do you know what i mean they still got a good 30 years in them so as we get more diverse do you think that could make the views um of those people even stronger in terms of like look where it's going we don't even recognize britain anymore like we we, we are looking at it as a positive like people's minds are going to change with more diversity going on you know going forward but do you think there are still going to be people who are remaining and are actually getting worse because there's more diversity yeah i mean if you look at the way the world's going at the moment you you can see obviously covid has been the bane of our lives for 18 months now where did that originate from it you know it, it seems it's originated from china so how much asian hate has gone up since then loads my point is a lot of people will find any kind of excuse to attach that to well i say a lot of people there are people out there that will find any excuse to attach a problem to a race you know jobs are going down oh that's because we're getting all these migrants in that's what they do so you know you're going to get some people that are too fickle to think beyond that and will actually believe it and you know, we're in for a bit of a rocky ride, I think, coming up in the next few years with climate change, with 
with getting over the pandemic and trying to get the economy back on track and, you know, immigration being a big thing and racial tensions being high, it's going to be a bit of a rocky time. And unfortunately, there's going to be a bit more conflict. And I think you will get a set amount of the population that will actually believe and just say that there would be no problems if so-and-so race wasn't in the country. I, th- I do think, though, that people are, you know, the 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 immigrant story has been around for a very long time, for a very long time. And I think people are wising up to that. They They now are getting educated to, listen, when Nigel Farage goes, you are there without a job because, you know, Abdul or... Whoever is coming here and is taking your job, or Baba Tunde is coming here, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I think that story is getting to—it's coming to an end. Well, you know what? I'm hoping it's coming to an end because I think that is, you know, that is a factor that I'm touching on in terms of like what breeds these people: education. What part? how much does education play in breeding these sorts of people? And yeah, educated people know that of course, of course these immigrants don't come here and take your jobs. In fact, they are a very vital part of society. Yes, very true. I think people are wisening up, but what about Brexit? You know, how did things kind of get there? I think it brought the beast out of a lot of people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mm. And that's not really going so well right now, I'd say. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I think, unfortunately, what what I have to say is that there are, and look, we, we, we I, I just want to say, disclaimer, we're talking like this. So we, we, you know, some of our language might sound pretty strong to some people in a sense. Don't feel like we're on the attack or anything like that. We're just discussing things as it is and not skirting around the issue. So mm. you get, I think you've got a lot of people that might be ignorant and we've spoken about this in previous episodes, might be ignorant and they they might be quite silent. They're not overtly racist, but they will start to, with, with these excuses, they will start to come out and be a bit more overt do you know do you know what i mean um and yeah i mean i mean i look at brexit as an example because i think that made a lot of covert racists or just people that remain quiet on racism and don't really say anything it kind of made them kind of lean over a little bit and maybe say a few things or do a few things they didn't really necessarily believe in or maybe they did and they just found it was a good time to to come out and do that social media is a, is a good platform for showcasing some of these beliefs yeah, there are a majority, no, no, not a majority. There are probably a minority that do it just because they think it's funny. But, you know, that is a platform that shows what people believe. And I'm not, I mean, I'll say just about people wising up to the immigration thing and actually understanding the benefits of that. But then I, I think Brexit kind of shows me differently, if I'm honest, mate. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the way I can see, you know, when we're going through the kind of, voting in or out for brexit that the media showed how divisive 
um, families were. Because uh, there was a lot of kids who were going, no, we love the EU, we want to stay. But then there was a lot of kind of parents who were going, no, they're taking this amount of money and wanting to go. So it was interesting how the media were documenting that. Like, look at all these families in the UK that are divided on the Brexit vote. Now, I think it would be great if the media could put the same amount of action into showing how UK families are debating a topic like racism like they or they they're so divided in terms of racism like they were Brexit. Yeah, that would be brilliant. That would be absolutely brilliant. In order to solve an issue like this that's so complicated, you need to jump in knee deep. <laughs> you need to this is this is why I said that disclaimer because off too often people talk about these issues and are very careful overly careful what they say and they they just about dip their toe in the water and they don't want to use certain words. They don't want to uh, maybe overly exaggerate things or even say it as it is. They just want to kind of hint at stuff just because it's complicated and awkward. But no, you need to get down and dirty. You need to get knee deep. You need to get into families, like you said, that were debating Brexit openly like that. And you need to get them doing that with racism, which is why that guy that, came that on that video we go back to that again that was there with his daughter that's why i have a lot of respect for him like genuinely if me personally is a black guy that's almost turning 30 if i bumped into him in the street and had a you know had a, i'd have a chat with him i wouldn't have a problem with him i genuinely yeah, have course. a lot of respect for him people make mistakes this is life you learn from your experiences whether good or bad so I, I just think that it's funny how people could be quite selective with that and that aren't so open-minded. It, it's actually quite annoying. But how do you change the mind of somebody that's been thinking the same way for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? <laughs> Oof, you've got a task. Exactly. It's going to be difficult. We, we know that kind of where, where you live, the people you hang around with, your education level, um, I guess you know political views as well is something that is 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 part of it. Why is it that you know the 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 parents will live or the 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 children of the parents will live in the same location? They'll have a similar you know similar area, non diverse area, and have different views to their parents. What is happening to the children that's not happening to the parents? That is, you know, providing those views that differ. Inspirational so much. figures, I think. So maybe for for our parents' generation, the inspirational figures or the ones that were shown by the media, we're going to be white in this country. You know, whether that's uh, celebrities that are shown in a good light, whether that's politicians or you know just people that are like you know in inverted commas high up in society sports stars, people that the general public look up to would be would have been white. More times than not. More times than not. You really could maybe pick up, you know, count on a on two hands the amount of black or brown um, you know, person people that were in the fifties that were of any note. Do you know what I mean? Um these days, with the power of social media um, as well, a lot of inspirational people or people that, um, you know, kids look up to these days are a massive mix 
and do a lot of collaborations. There isn't that segregation anymore. It's very open that when you do get a black sports star that's absolutely killing it, they will be shown mainly in a good light until there is some, some sometimes some nonsense in the media. Um, but you'll get a lot of love for them. And then when people see these kids see their friends loving such people, they look up to them too. You see Kanye's dropped his new album recently, Donda. That's on Spotify. Yep. Everyone's been talking about that. And like immediately these kids are looking up to Kanye and they're thinking, hang on, how can yeah. How can, how, yeah, how can I exactly. contradict my own feelings here and say, I don't like people that look like Kanye, yet I really like his songs. I really like his music. I really like the vibes I'm getting here. That doesn't work. <laughs> so in, in my opinion, I think, you know, when you're at your most influential is when you're just coming into your teens and even in your maybe into your 20s. That's when you could be influenced quite easily with these things, I think. Um and if you are inspired by these people that are mixed, not just white, but white, black, brown, any colour, then you're not going to care. <laughs> unless you're unless you're a bit of a nut and then you can selectively go, I, I like the music, but I don't like you, which is rare. Then <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> it has to be that, which is why I always say in order to, to, to try and defeat this thing, we need some really high up people, again, in, in inverted commas, in society, spearheading any anti-racist campaigns. If they can do it, the influence that they have, the clout that they have on younger generations, especially, or even generations around our age, is unreal. And that will bring about change in itself. Massive change. Think about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Just to go back onto that kind of influence, and I know we always um, are critical of social media. Now, the the positive thing about social media is if you go back to, um, you know, back in the day where, like you say, everybody who, um, everybody who was an inspiration was white. Um, back then, the media had a lot of control as to what they showed people so the newspapers would show white people and they'd show black people in a certain way social media comes along and then all of a sudden it's like you're you're in charge of what you put out there there's no gatekeeper that's saying oh whoa, 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 hold on we're not going to show people this like if you're an artist a black artist a black influencer a black whatever you are in charge of what you put out there there's nobody going we're not going to show people that. So I think that's where that has kind of um, helped as well, because now it's the 16 year old, the 15 year old is now on TikTok seeing someone who is black. And like you say, they like what they do. And then it completely changes. Like, Oh my God, black people are not just uh, drug dealers or thieves or, or criminals. Like, this person's really, really good. You know, I, I think that has a, a, a massive influence and that that's part of the positive of social Absolutely media. Absolutely spot on again, mate. And, you know, I bring you back to this and I really wish I could remember the name of this theory, but hopefully this makes sense how I describe it. But if you think about it, when you're, when you're being taught something or you're being coached, you want to have a certain level of respect for that coach and what they've achieved and what experience they're giving on to you. 
otherwise you're naturally not really going to take it on board as much. An example for, of that, I learned this in sports science, an example of that is, let's just say, again, I'll bring it back to football. I'm a footballer. Sorry, people. I have to do this. But let's just say, if I were to go and coach some kids, they might go, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they'll lose interest because who am I really? But then if I were to go and coach these kids and smash one in off the crossbar to shut them up at the start and say, do you want to be able to do that? Then listen to me. I might have their attention for a little bit longer. But then imagine if David Beckham went there to coach these kids. He'll be able to snap his fingers. They'll be quiet immediately. You almost have to have a bit of respect for whoever's, you know, for, for I was going to say whoever's influencing you. That's not really the right way of putting it, but to be influenced. By so you have to have mm. a certain amount of respect for them and really look into what they're doing, you know, really care about it. But here's another example. Imagine this, right? So Banksy, we don't know his or her identity, do we? Don't know anything about Banksy. But Banksy pops up everywhere, recently Reading, slapped uh, some drawing on the side of Red Reading Prison. Um, and obviously Banksy's art is worth a lot, you know. I've heard of people cutting off walls of their, yeah, you know, their garages just to sell it because it's Banksy's painting. Um, now, imagine if it came out that Banksy was a black woman. The head, wow. the headlines of that <laughs> versus if Banksy was a white male. Just imagine, just imagine. Even the media to this day, you said that you know they even social media. It's it's all you know. You can select kind of select what you see. These subtle ways of putting the headlines, even sometimes not subtle, still influence people massively to this day. And even on social media, you will get, you know, loads of tweets, loads of posts, maybe thinking like, I can't believe, I can't believe Banksy was doing this. People that are outraged, it didn't care <laughs> beforehand, just because it's a black woman, for yep. example. Then afterwards go, yep. They'd call it. They call it like criminal damage, wouldn't yeah. they? Be like, whoa, hold on a minute. That's that's no longer this. She's this doing is criminal it. damage. This is it. You'd find <laughs> actually that would highlight the split. You'd find that the younger generation would be like, oh, that superb white will not want Banksy to get caught, even if we know her identity is a black woman. Let's say as an example, if it was a white male, you'd find. And, and sorry, sorry, the older generation would be probably be more likely to be like, oh, well, yeah, like you said, criminal damage. Hope she gets caught. That kind of a thing. Oh, hope she pays for all the damage that she's mm. caused to our beautiful country. And then you'll mm. get if it was a white male. Imagine. <laughs> and if it was a white male, it would probably be more like, oh, well, you know, so what? Like this guy, this guy's quite talented, isn't he? But may maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to give him a paintbrush and a canvas to paint from uh, <laughs> so that we can see more Very of this. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? True. It would be different. Um, it's true. It's true. It would. It would definitely be different. It would definitely be different. Um, I want to speak about the influence of uni. You know, if if somebody has grown up in this small town and that was the view, and they say move into Kingston Uni, London, you know where we went, and it's like as diverse as as they come. You know what does that kind of teach people then so when they go back for the summer it's like oh my god i've thought that these black people or these asian people or whatever they've they were this and it's like you know and then 
an example would be someone like that goes home and then the dad is watching the news and goes, yeah, these people take our jobs or these criminals or these black people are this or whatever. You know, I think that has a big influence as well because the, the kids have gone there, they've seen it, they've interacted with, with black people, uh, interacted with Asian people and their worldview has completely changed. Yeah, spot on again, mate. It's, it's, I, I kind of find it funny when it happens, and I'm actually laughing because I've got an example of a, a caller that, and you can you can go on YouTube, it's up there. A caller called into LBC, said he grew up in a bubble in a racist place and had racist... Sorry, what's L- LBC? Uh, I think it stands for London's Biggest Conversation. It's a radio station. Um, and oh. uh, there is a guy called James O'Brien that is one of my favorite hosts on there. And he, he often goes into like racial topics and talks about it. It's a, it's a white guy, um, but he's very objective and balanced and, you know, he, he just uses complete logic. So big, big up James. If he would ever listen to this, he won't. But um, anyway, a caller called in and said, I used to be racist, a bit like the, the guy in the video that we watched earlier. So I used to be racist, but I changed my ways and I grew up in a, uh, I grew up in a in a village in a bubble. I went to uni and then I got battered, basically. So I don't mean it was a fight necessarily, but he got into a bit of a, a weird altercation with like some like a, a group of mixed people that I think must have absolutely bombarded him for being racist and it changed his mind. That uni experience and since then he's just been very open about it and spoken about it and i think mm. it's brilliant to get those environments where you get a mix of these cultures and it's not just race i mean i'll give you my little brother as an example he's 19 about to turn 20 but about to go to his first year of uni so he deferred a year just because of covid he's going to sheffield uni in about three weeks can't wait but the poor kid because he turned 18 just before the pandemic started he hasn't really gotten out of this bubble. He hasn't lived life as an age, as an adult yet, really, outside of the the Surrey bubble. I so I when he was unsure of where to go to uni, I told him to stay away from London because, as you were vouching, it, it's very expensive and not really a uni uni like place, is it? Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. Well, you're close from home. That was the positive of it. But I actually told him go 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 somewhere else. So he's going to Sheffield Uni. And he's going to get a real mix of cultures, you know. Um, he's going to get the Northerners, because that's like basically almost in the middle of the country. He's going to get the Northerners. He's going to get people that are from other cities. He's going to get people that are from villages, from towns. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think even still our experience may not have been the full experience, Link, because I don't think some people that lived in certain places would have taken themselves into a London uni because actually they may have been a bit scared of these, you know, all of that. Or, gangs yeah, or black people exactly. or whatever so yeah he's i told him to get out take yourself out of it go somewhere and i can't wait to see what his experience is like and how he changes from when he leaves in a couple of weeks to when he comes back at christmas and easter well, yeah well, well this yeah. is the thing mate it's not even like it's not even when he comes back at christmas and easter it's it's watching the evolution throughout the three years you know you you enter that the, the best thing about uni is that you enter with a certain view and you come out with all the views you had completely like 
what the hell? You come out a different person. And again, the benefit of uni is that you go and you hang around with people that you've, you would never, ever hang around with in school. Like, it just introduced... I mean, think about some of the people that we used to hang about with. It's like, you'd never think that, oh, this person is so different to me, yet, actually, we can find something in common. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's 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 crazy. It is crazy. crazy. It really is. Um, but that's the beauty of it. That that is where I think, you know, there are some people that don't get that experience in this country, and um, it's funny because I've got some people like that where I work, and you can see slowly but surely these people are well into their twenties and they're getting certain realizations and being very open and honest about these realizations when because they haven't been to uni and had that real mix of cultures, but then work can be the thing to take you outside a bubble. And then you just see these people just, you know, diversifying and be getting, getting used to diversity in, in many different ways. And it's, it's so funny. It really is. It's so funny. I've, I had a guy that, you know, I remember like when I started four years ago, he had never been out in London and he was like 26 or 27 as in he had never been on a night out in London but grew up about 30 miles outside of London which is a bit weird we had a night out with work and he was just like I can't believe I've never been here this place is incredible no 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 but (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine (laughs) okay we're we're pissed but you know generally when you're drunk (laughs) the truth can come out he was just, even afterwards, when yeah. he sobered up, he was just like, that was the most incredible night out I've ever had. We, we had a night in, oh it was a Christmas party. We had a night in, um, like, in and around sort of Leicester Square. And it was just unreal, mate. Um, Leicester Square, Clapham, we went to a few places. And he was like, what is this? Like, mm. this is unreal. Mm. Mm. But but that's the thing. That is the that is it. The fact that you saw that. And he his kind of perception, I could imagine, his perception of London completely changed at at that moment right there it was like oh my god what have i been thinking about this place and that's the same thing is that people again you know they'll meet people like oh my god this guy is such a nice guy and it's like i've been programmed that black people are evil and they kill and they they're criminals and they're this (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) And it's like, it's almost like the light bulb moment where it's like, ding, like, oh my God, I now like black people. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. It is. Do you think there is fear of, how can I put a black planet, like black people are going to take over? And, you know, the, this thing, uh, they're going to say, oh, it's like, it's like South Africa, you know? Now it's all flipped. Now white people are the ones who are not, you know, um, benefiting or they are now the ones that are like what black people are supposed to be. You know, do do you think that the people who have those views, those racist views, are scared and worried that black, pe- black people are somehow going to take over the planet? <laughs> I think it's a, it's a, it's the extremists, maybe a few. Do you know what I mean? Um, extremists and anything's not good. You know, white extremists, white supremacists, whatever you call them. 
you get someone, you know, black people that are like that. It's just no good either way. Let me just say that. It's no good either way. And they are the idiots that are going to believe such stupid nonsense. Do you know what I mean? They are going to be the ones that would be like, <laughs> but, 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 they could take over the planet. They could take, first of all, it would be like, they'll take over our, our village. They'll take over our town. They'll take over our cities. Mm. They'll take over the region. They'll take over our country. They'll take over the continent. They'll take over the planet. Like, what? It's it's just ridiculous. It's just complete yeah. nonsense. Right. If 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 I if I put that my mildly, and I think what I'm about to say would be less ridiculous, but has the same sort of meaning, is if you look at the work environment, and there is a white man who is in a managerial position. And he, will he have the fear that he may be reporting to a black man? If the black man puts his his, his foot in the door and he's in a, a a managerial position or a person of uh, a, a position of influence, he's then gonna bring the whole of Africa with him <laughs> to the company. You know, is it? I mean, that that is a um. I wouldn't say relatable because I, I, I actually don't have that viewpoint, but is that a mild thing that people may think like, whoa, I don't want, uh, you know, I've never had a black man manage me. I don't want to lose that power. Yeah, that's that's different now. That's um, That ties into the systemic racism that we see in this country, you know, where it's hidden, where it's covert, where such a guy ha could have those fears. And I think there are enough that do, by the way, um, they don't need to be overt racist. All they need to do is ensure that that never happens behind the scenes. They yeah, never get in. and that's mm. that's a lot of the complaints that you know a lot of black and brown people have in this country of the systemic racism, where in these positions of power in you know organisations, you won't see much diversity there, and that almost keeps the status quo as it is. Do you know what I mean? And I think there are certainly a lot mm -hmm. of people that could be resistant to change. And that's dangerous because then what really will change? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And you could say innocently nothing mm. will change because these people in positions of power might not have the same care or experience around equality and diversity as diverse people do. That also goes for women. That goes for women in, in high management spots you know because it's usually white men that are in these positions so again they they might not have as much care and attention for equality and diversity to do with women as well as black people and then you've got you add to the mix those that have a fear because they have a hatred of black people or they just are ignorant they don't know any better it's still dangerous it's still the same thing mm. people that would actively you know, try to ensure that black people don't get into these management spots or, you know, might act a certain way or manage black people a certain way that are staff that they manage, you know? That's definitely a thing. Don't get me wrong. That's that's alive and kicking to this day and will be for a little while, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, that's why, you know, you, you like to use this phrase, Lynn, equity. That's why you do get you know, we have to look at equity in a sense that actually we need to run such higher management programs for black people, for brown people, to try and get them into these positions and really try and combat this.
you know um that's what we really need to be looking at is equity don't we for sure man for sure so just to kind of wrap it up i mean what what message would you kind of have for the people who are you know at home and you know changing their 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 parents uh views in terms of um racism? good question everything starts with a conversation everything starts with the willingness actually to to research and look into things to step out of your comfort zone just do a bit of research look into the history of race in england in britain if you like look into it just educate yourself in it if you have the willingness to do that fantastic i think that education will change people you know long term and i think with that education you have a solid foundation to have conversations with family members with friends, with colleagues that need to have these conversations. Keep the spotlight on it. Have these conversations. Try and educate people. When you can spread that knowledge, you will, even if you change one person out of every 50 you try and do this with, that one person could change one in 50. And it could just start a little cycle, you know, of people just thinking, ah, do you know what? I have these beliefs, but let me just look into... Do you know what? I may I may actually look into why, because I've got my daughter that's all over me right now, just going, you must do this, you must do this. Mm. And do you know what? I know she's a smart girl. I brought her up and made sure she was a smart girl. So I might just, you know, I might just read a few books. I might ask her for Have a few a bits of information. Yeah. All of a sudden, it makes change. So first of all, educate yourself. Secondly, be prepared to have conversations with those close to you if you're comfortable to do mm. so. I, but I even think then, we should be prepared to step out of our comfort zone. And only when we do that, do we make change and meet change, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's good, man. I think, I think, um, you know, my kind of message would be that it's easier to have these uncomfortable conversations at home rather than at work. Definitely. Um, because, you know, if, if, if your dad, your sister, your brother has these sorts of conversations, You've been arguing with these people for years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So confrontation with them is not something uh, that will get you in trouble. And it's not something that you're not used to, you know? Um, so I think if we can have these conversations at home, then the thoughts will change at home, which will then change at work. Because, you know, we all say, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, we need to be comfortable at work. We need to discuss these things at work. But you can't really, because you know that if you say things that are like this or like that, you may lose your job. So nobody wants to say it. At home, this is where we need to we need to really drum that in to say, these are the conversation. These is where, this is the, the, the platform we're going to use to challenge our views with, with knowing that we're not going to be... Um, punished in any way or you know have people look at your work like oh he's got those thoughts yeah, you know what ab- i mean absolutely spot on mate and you know one more thing i'll add to this quickly before we wrap up is i think being prepared to listen is also a way of stepping outside your comfort zone so my experiences from last year i actually listened to a lot of opinions from those that were racist or ignorant just to try and understand it i did my research there and some things I was like, right, where are you going with this point? You, that's actually quite ignorant. And it helped me filter out ignorance from real racists that 
might may not change. Yeah, I learned yeah. a lot that way, and yeah. that was painful doing that. But I'm a better person for doing that and stepping out my comfort zone and just looking into it. I think if people could listen to other perspectives and be prepared to do that, it might just add to the general education. And only when you know why something exists or how it works can you actually fix the problem. You know. Now, Jam, again, I always say we can go all night. We haven't got all night. Hundred <laughs> percent. We got kids to feed. No, I'm joking. We got no kids to feed. <laughs> nah, mate, nothing, nothing. <laughs> right, nice one, man. Yeah, Appreciate my pleasure, it. mate. Thanks for having me.